0: The New York Times, a former newspaper, has released a scathing 532,000-word investigative report of crack investigations by crack investigators investigating crackly. The report reveals for the first time ever that President Donald Trump has repeatedly complained about being investigated by FBI agents who hated him so much they were willing to violate every possible code of ethics to overturn an election by creating a false narrative about some Russian Michigas that never happened. The Times, and so help me, I am not making this up illustrated this 947,000-word crack investigative article by crack investigators with a full page of charts showing exactly how many times the president complained about being the target of a completely bogus investigation into a completely imaginary incident. The page also includes calendars showing every day on which Trump unleashed his unreasonable rants against this coup attempt by google-eyed power-mad lunatics. Now at last we know that the President was complaining when he complained openly for everyone to see. Times White House reporter and secret Clinton hack Maggie Haberman said in an in-depth interview with herself, quote, What sort of monstrous authoritarian would attack the hard work of fine, upstanding rogue deep state fascists spending millions of dollars of the public's money on a complete waste of time? It's the job of myself and the New York Times to ensure our wonderful, overweening and out-of-control federal law agencies can continue to run roughshod over our rights with impunity. That is the true meaning of journalism." The 7660014 word investigative investigation is entitled Intimidation, Pressure, and Humiliation Inside Trump's Two-Year War on the Investigations Encircling Him because that sounded better than distraction, blithering, and misinformation inside the New York Times' attempt to explain why they haven't been covering the Obama Justice Department's blatantly unconstitutional malfeasance. If you missed this crack investigative report of the investigatory crackness, it is still available to read at the bottom of a birdcage in my living room, assuming you can make out the words underneath all the canary crap. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Life is tickety-boo, birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing it's a wonderful day, hoorah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hoorah, hooray.
1: Oh, hooray, hoorah.
0: Here is some breaking news. The world does not exist inside your head. I know, if you're a leftist, this will come as a big surprise, but there really is such a thing as reality, and one of the central tasks of life is finding out how reality works so you don't keep banging your head on it. Because while the world doesn't exist inside your head, an image of the world does exist there, and that image is what guides our lives. This image is made of extrapolations, generalizations developed from the things we actually know. The things we actually know are remarkably limited. You only get about 80 or 90 years of experience if you're lucky, and no matter how many people you'll meet, you'll get to observe only a very few of them in any meaningful way. That's why you have phenomena like bigots who make stupid generalizations about the opposite sex or other races based on their mothers or the one girl who cheated on them or some black activist they saw on TV. To supplement the little information we get from life, We learn stuff, we read books, we watch news reports and documentaries, we absorb art, always comparing these to real life and always taking account of the sources of the information. And, all the while, if we're smart and if we want to become wise, we do something else. We change our minds as new information comes in. If you haven't seriously changed one of your major opinions in the last 10 years or so, you're not paying attention or you're working for the news media who in the case of the Jesse Smollett hoax and the Russia collusion hoax are now in a full-scale panic trying to attack their to protect their imagination of the world from the reality of the world itself. We'll take a look in just a sec, but first, let me tell you about Lightstream. I do this. I'm sure you do it. I walk into stores. I spend money using a credit card. I do not think of that as spending money because it's just this plastic thing that I stick in a machine, and then I have the stuff I want, you know, and then what happens? The bill comes due. Talk about reality and you suddenly want to rip out your eyes and possibly hang yourself. Here is a better idea. Try Lightstream. With Lightstream, you can consolidate multiple credit card payments down to one payment and get a lower rate. And that is saying something because the rate on those credit cards can be usurious. Is that the right word? No, it's not. They can can be incredibly steep. Credit card consolidation loans from Lightstream will give you a rate as low as 6.14% APR with Auto pay, and there are zero fees. The rate is fixed. It will never, it will never go up. And if you want to save even more, my listeners get additional interest rate discount. The only way to get that discount is to go to Lightstream.com/Andrew. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com/slash Andrew. This is subject to credit approval. The rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Andrew for more information. So Jussie Smollett has been arrested and he has been charged. And remember, you know, you have to think about this. There was a moment when Jesse Smollett was thinking something to himself like, should I enjoy my talent and success and thank God for all my blessings? or should I hoax the police and pretend to be a victim and risk disgrace and prison? Well, you know, I I won't tell it now, but you know that orange head joke I talk about, the guy who wished for an orange head, Jussie Smollett. There he is. So he wanted to get beat up in Chicago. Well, the uh, superintendent of police, Eddie Johnson, gave him exactly what he wanted, smacked him around, but good. This is the first cut uh, where he talks about what Jussie Smollett was doing, cut 11.
2: This announcement today recognizes that Empire actor, Jesse Smollett, took advantage of the pain and anger of racism to promote his career. I'm left hanging my head and asking why. Why would anyone, especially an African-American man, use the symbolism of a noose to make false accusations? How could someone look at the hatred and suffering associated with that symbol and see an opportunity to manipulate that symbol to further his own public profile. How can an individual who's been embraced by the city of Chicago turn around and slap everyone in this city in the face by making these false claims?
0: See, the thing is, if you want to get smacked in Chicago, you want to get smacked by a couple of brothers you hired yourself, not... By the chief of police because that's not a good situation he's been charged with a uh, felony count of disorderly uh conduct but after here's the interesting thing after johnson superintendent johnson finished smacking jesse around he went after the media and this is what he said listen to this
2: when we discovered the actual motive quite frankly it, it pissed everybody off you know because we have to invest valuable resources. A lot of the, what, what I want you all to really understand is when you all put things out there um, into the universe that's not actual facts, then it causes us to have to chase all that stuff down. Those are resources and time spent that we'll never get back, that we could utilize for another investigation.
0: The, this is, I don't, I mean, no disrespect to the superintendent when I say explaining what a fact is to the news media is a very, very difficult thing to do. They're going to a- Could you spell that for us? You know, when I was a reporter, I once said to a cop, you know, you and I, we work, we we both work for the people. And he said, no, you work for a corporation. I work for the people. That's right. The police are the ones looking for fact. The news organizations work for corporations on our selling a point of view that the corporations want you to believe. If you don't believe this, let me show you an amazing, amazing cut. I'm going to play this first and then comment on it afterwards. Of the diff of don lemon now i understand picking on don lemon is is you know picking on a guy who can't can't think very well but still don lemon is reacting to this thing that he was trying to sell as you know a, a symbolic of what america is like during the tyranny of the trump administration and now it's been caught out and he's talking to um their uh to joey jackson their legal analyst all right this is cut number eight not coming cut number number seven, it's got number eight. And he's, he's talking about what has just happened to Jussie Smollett as he gets charged.
3: A good lawyer can get you out just about anything, right? Or reduce whatever it is that you're going to suffer. In the court of public opinion, Jussie has lost. He's right. lost the fight in the court of yeah. public opinion. Yeah. And that's where his battle is. Whether Legally If he has to go, whatever he has to serve, if it's jail time, if he has to do probation, if he has to pay, whatever. But in the court of public opinion, it it matters. It it matters. And he lost that because of how, and, and not his fault, maybe people were... I don't know what they were saying to him how maybe because of his representatives I, who, who knows I don't know but if it was it's handled his poorly. Fault. I don't know if it's not his fault. Don the you fact think is, Do the You think it's his fault. You think he was is, doing what he wanted. Well, he went out and he gave the interview. So understand this from a it, now let's talk from a defense perspective. There's two things to think about. Number one is yeah. the law and whether it makes sense legally to be out there speaking and everything else. From that perspective, it's damning. All those things you heard him say on TV are going to be played in a courtroom from a public relations imperative. Your people say, oh, get in front of the cameras, express what happened, show some, you know, show some real anger and show some this, that, the other. The fact is that works from a public relations perspective, but it doesn't work in this. perspective. It doesn't
0: work. (laughs) <laughs> he's trying to explain. I just wonder, I wish, I wish I could read Joey Jackson's mind in that moment, because this is the guy, he's trying to explain to him the difference. He says, well, it's not his fault he lost in the court of the public opinion. And Joey Jackson says, wait, the facts, now he's dealing with people who deal with the facts. When you're in a courtroom, yeah, there's emotion, but basically you're dealing with the cops, you're dealing with the courts, you're dealing with the facts. And he was not, or allegedly, allegedly, he made this whole thing up. He hired these guys, to basically attack him and make him into a victim because he was tired of being a successful TV star. You know, who, who wants to be a... In, on the left, who wants to be a successful TV star if you can be a victim? But more than that, more than that, he was trying to impose his imagination on onto the world. He imagines that under the tyranny of Donald Trump, he imagines he's persecuted. He imagines the world is a terrible place. He's just not getting the love. They're also saying he may have sent that uh, threat to himself through the mail, and that could be a federal crime. He could really be in trouble there. Basically, he's got this thing, this image in his head, and when the world is not living up to that image in his head, he's going to impose it on the world. Unfortunately, he's dealing with the cops who don't like when you do that, because the cops like the facts. And and Don Lemon doesn't know the difference. What's the problem with what happened to Jesse Smollett in Don Lemon's mind? It's not that he got the world wrong. It's not that he jumped on this false story because he has a false perception of the world, which would be what I would be asking myself, why did I make this mistake? That's what you ask. When you make a mistake, you say, why did I make a mistake? What did I do wrong? Where did I get this wrong? Where was I coming from? Where was my bias? Not if you're Don Lemon. Here's the problem with this story blowing up in Lemon's face.
3: Now, every single moment yeah.
0: in cable news, Sean Hannity
3: is going to eat Jesse Smollett's lunch every single second. Tucker Carlson is going to eat Jesse Smollett's lunch every single second. President of the the United president States. of the United States that's is right. going to eat his lunch, and who does the president of the United States watch every night? You. Cable news. Yeah, well, cable news. <laughs> and so right. that's all I'm saying.
0: They left the Republican out of the room and he pounced. That was, that was good. Play that again. I like <laughs> <laughs>
1: that.
0: That's the Republicans. They're pouncing. They're pouncing. And that's the problem. It's not. The problem is he might lose this battle for the imaginations of the public because his imagination doesn't represent the world instead of changing his mind. Let us talk about, talking about facts, let's talk about honey. This is another thing that Knowles has done for me. I got to admit, he recommended honey to me. You can put it on your computer in about 15 seconds and it will get, what it does is it gets you deals. Honey automatically goes to work whenever I shop anywhere and it compares the prices of every seller that carries the item that I want. And honey factors in shipping, sales tax, Amazon Prime status to make sure I'm getting the lowest Total price. It shows me the best deal every time, even if Amazon doesn't, which is where I am a lot. I'm a lot on Amazon. I love to watch. I love to watch Amazon uh, Honey do this. It is so cool. I, got, I buy a lot of books, obviously, and it takes. It gives me deals on the prices, or it shows me places where I can go to get a better deal. Uh, you know, or it, it, it just gives me coupons. It goes and searches for coupons. It is an amazing gizmo, and it doesn't cost you anything. You put it up there, and it just finds you the deals. More than ten p- million people are using. Honey to save money. So next time you're shopping on Amazon, don't wonder whether you found the best deal. Just add Honey and get the price, auto, the best price, automatically. Add Honey for free at joinhoney.com/andrew. That's join j o i n honey.com/andrew. Honey, the smart shopping assistant that helps you save time and money. I use it every single day, and it has saved me a bundle. So, so, so Don Lemon, the news media in general is trying to defend its its imaginary world, that image of the world that's been in its head, from the real world that keeps intruding and keeps going wrong. And they're not just doing it with the Jussie Smollett case, they're doing it also with the Russian hoax. All week long, uh, this this guy, Andrew McCabe, the interim head of the FBI, was fired for lying, has been going around selling his book and telling this story about how horrifying it all was and why they had to start this investigation in Russia. Meanwhile, CNN is saying that uh, Mueller will finish his report by next week, I think they're saying. I don't know if this is true. Uh, Trump is going to be in Vietnam next week, and I'm not sure they would release the report. Uh, Certainly, I don't think they'd release it while Trump was out of the country, but who knows? This is what CNN people are saying. And The the fact is they're starting to get the feeling that, oh, well, wait, maybe this report is not going to do what they wanted to do, which is destroy Trump's life, which is what they've been trying to do for the past two years. So Andrew McCabe is going around, you know, spreading, selling his book, telling these stories that are just becoming more and more absurd. And it's just becoming more and more apparent that the press has missed The biggest story of their lifetime, the biggest story that most reporters are going to see in their lifetime was that there was, in fact, an attempt to overturn an election by a bunch of people who panicked at the sight of Donald Trump coming down the road. Not because of what Trump believed, not because of who he was, but because he was not one of them. He was not one of them. I don't think they would have panicked. I mean, you know, I, I don't think they would have panicked. Ted Cruz is certainly a true conservative, but I don't think they would have done the same thing to him because he is a, a political animal. Trump is a guy they didn't know. They didn't know what to think and they panic. And Trump has been just making apps. He's been smushing uh, McCabe. But here was what he here was his comment on what McCabe's been doing. Well, I think Andrew McCabe has made a fool out of himself over the last couple of days. And he really looks to me like sort of a poor man's J. Edgar Hoover. He's a, uh, I think he's a disaster. And what he was trying to do was terrible, and he was caught. I'm very proud to say we caught him. So we'll see what happens, but he, uh, he is a disgraced man. He was terminated, not by me, he was terminated by others. Uh, the IG report was a disaster. A disaster from his standpoint. Anybody reading the IG report would say, how could a man like this be involved with the FBI? And the FBI has some of the greatest people, some of the finest people you'll ever meet, but this man is a complete disaster. Trump pounced on Andrew McCabe. And just to remind you, McCabe has been going around saying that after uh, Trump was elected, and after he fired James Comey, that was the important thing. Fired him as he had every right to do, as his is constitutional right to do. Basically, Andrew McCabe said, "What are we going to do? We've got to make sure this guy. We got to investigate his ties to Russia. They'd already had been investigating his campaign. We have to. We have to find out if he's a Russian spy. You know, if he's uh, you know they they even uh, was a source." Uh, McCabe is actually suggesting this and ABC had reported it earlier on the basis of sources that they had been investigating Jeff Sessions as a possible Russian spy. Jeff Sessions, right? I mean until until Donald Trump Jeff Sessions was the very image of anti-Russian evil, you know, anti-socialist uh, conservatism. Now suddenly he's Boris Badenov. But you have to understand if, if Andrew McCabe had made a fool of himself, it's because he was under so much stress. These are This is from Graby and different interviews he's been giving.
4: These comments about the 25th Amendment and about wearing a wire have been a little bit uh, distracting. But nevertheless, we were all operating under incredible stress. You know, you have to remember, Savannah, this came at an incredibly stressful time. To be fair... It was an unbelievably stressful time i can't even describe for you how many things must have been coursing through the deputy attorney general's mind at that point it is understandable he was under under an enormous amount of stress at the time the point is the the stress and the complexity of the issues that we were discussing at the time i can't describe to you accurately enough the pressure and the chaos so you can see that In those conditions, those incredibly stressful times, it was incredibly turbulent, incredibly stressful. And it was clear to me that that stress was was impacting the deputy attorney general.
0: (laughs) What what was so stressful about it? What was so stressful about it? A president was elected. They didn't like the, the Obama administration didn't like and fired James Comey, as was his right. What was so stressful? It was another day at the office. There was nothing so stressful. Why was, it was him. Talk about living in his imagination. I mean, this is the thing. When you're Jesse Smollett and you're a TV star and your career is going well and you feel oppressed, that's stressful, but it's in your imagination. When you're Andrew McCabe and the boss is fired, as as happens a lot in Washington, and you don't like the president, that's just another day. The stress is in your imagination. And what, what scenario was in Andrew McCabe's imagination? Listen to this as Anderson Cooper confronts him with the idea that essentially he's confessing to to a deep state coup. I mean, if they were covering, if, if this were Barack Obama, the New York Times would be running war-declared size headlines saying that the FBI had tried to overturn an election. It wouldn't just be guys getting fired, as they have been. I mean, they, the results of the scandal are all there, but they'd be fired. They'd be dragged from the, through the mud. They'd be tarred and feathered. They'd be thrown in the Hudson. They'd be pelted with rotten tomatoes instead it's just like yeah whatever happened to all those guys at the FBI oh they're selling a book now oh good let's let's go and buy buy his book listen to Anderson Cooper confront him with this when people say you are the epitome of the deep state that you that is you are the yeah. you know uh, number one deep state actor mm-hmm. you've been re- revealed how do you push back on that i mean
4: anderson i find that so incredibly offensive and i think that the millions of men and women who serve this country every day in all kinds of roles across the federal government would also find that offensive. People who say things like that aren't thinking about all of the things that this government does to serve this society fairly and consistently every day. Um, The fact is, I, like all the men and women in the FBI, people across government in the military, I did my job. I stood up to the obligations of my office when we presented with facts. We made hard decisions, decisions that we knew would be tough on the organization, would be tough on us personally. Look what I've gone through as a result of those decisions. Um, but we did them anyway because we were committed to our responsibilities and serving this country.
1: Do you still
0: believe the president could be a Russian asset?
4: I think it's possible.
0: I'm offended that anybody would think that I was uh, running a deep state coup. Is the president a Russian spy? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what it is. You know, by the way, you notice that he hides behind the skirts of the rank-and-file agents who had nothing to do with this? I mean, most of the agents of the FBI are out getting people on fraud. They're hunting gangsters. They're hunting terrorists. And this guy is saying, "You, when you call me an agent of the deep state, you're insulting them. I, no, we're not. We're insulting you. It's you. You did this. And then he says that Trump may have been a Russian asset. So James Clapper. Now, James Clapper has been a, an anti-Trump enemy. This is the former national intelligence director, the guy who lied about spying on us under oath. Uh, but so now, so that gets is qualifies you for a job at CNN. And as a commentator, he's being interviewed here. Uh, and they say, well, it, it, she says to him, well, what he is, is Trump a Russian asset? Is he a witting Russian asset? And he says, look, that's really unlikely. That's ridiculous. That's not, that's not what's happening here. She says, ah, but is he an unwitting Russian asset. Listen to this exchange.
5: Do you see evidence of some kind that President Trump is an unwitting asset of Russia?
1: Well, the uh, the strange thing I think that's bothered a lot of people, uh, you know, both in and out of the intelligence community is this uh, strange uh, personal deference to um, Putin by, by the president. And I, I've speculated in the past that uh, the way Putin behaves is, is to treat uh, President Trump a, as an asset. Like, how that, so? I put that in air quotes. How so? Well, f- because of, you know, you consider Putin's background as, as, a, as a trained, experienced KGB agent, and how he would approach somebody that he is trying to co-opt or influence or gain leverage over, and in this case, you know, appeal to uh, uh, ego. And, and so in that, in that sense, in that context, is what uh, I think of when I mean a potential unwitting asset. So in other words, Putin may have
0: played Trump like he played Obama, like he played George W. Bush but those guys didn't get investigated. The investigation only happened here. This is imagination run wild. It is guys who still, and they're still saying, you know, well, even if, even if the Mueller report doesn't have anything, there'll still be other investigations because they want to defend their imaginations from the world. They want to defend their image of the world from the world. And I, I, I'm going to finish with this in, in a minute, but first, let me talk about movement watches. Here's mine, one of mine. This uh, is this was one, one I really like. It's a really beautiful one. And, you know, I, I love watches, but I don't want to spend a gazillion dollars on them. I just not, I just can't justify that to myself. Movement has got that figured out. They have really beautiful styles. They look good, but they keep it simple. They don't tell you how many steps you've taken. They're not like those little computerized things. They just tell you the time in a fashionable, really nice way. And movement watches start at just ninety-five bucks. These are watches that could cost you four hundred to five hundred dollars for the same quality from traditional Uh, brands, but these have a clean design, minimal quality products. They have sold almost 2 million watches in over 160 countries. You can get 15%. Oh, by the way, I should just remind you that the way they cut the prices are by taking out the vowels. So it's MVMT. That's how you spell movement. You don't want to pay extra for those expensive vowels. You can also get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com slash Andrew. That's MVMT.com slash Movement's launching new styles on their site all the time. Check out their latest at movement.com. Go to movement.com slash Andrew and join the because there are no vowels. Join the movement. <laughs> all right. So just, just to compare for a minute, we have a hate crime hoax from Jesse Smollett. We have a Russian hoax where the FBI are basically trying to overturn an election led by guys like Comey and Andrew McCabe. Meanwhile, we have real FBI agents busting a real hater, doing their jobs. That's what the world looks like when it's operating the way it should because we shouldn't forget, you know, that just because they're running hate hoaxes doesn't mean there there isn't hatred and just because some of these guys at the top of the FBI were Obama hacks doesn't mean all these agents who went who went into this uh, profession Hoping to help people, hoping to protect the country, doesn't mean they're not doing their job. So I just want to point out that there was a Coast Guard lieutenant uh, who was a white nationalist. They found him. I think it, they don't. They haven't revealed how they found him, but it sounded like they were hanging out on white nationalist uh, fronts, and they found him. He, he he's accused of uh, plotting assassinations of prominent left wingers. He had a an arsenal. They had a big picture of his ar- of his arsenal. I'm not going to tell you his name because what difference does it make? And who wants to give him the? Uh, who wants to give him the? Um, publicity. Uh, he had a list of people he was going to kill. He said he wanted to, he, what was he? I am dreaming of a way to kill almost every last person on the earth. I think a plague would be most successful, but how do I acquire the needed Spanish flu, botulism, anthrax? Not sure yet, but we'll find something. I mean, talk about a guy living in a phony universe. Uh, He was targeting, he had a list of people to target, including Nancy Pelosi, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and uh, Maxine Waters, Senator Richard Blumenthal, and also some people at... uh, MSNBC. So the FBI were listening to this guy and they caught him and good for them. And this is like, these people exist. There was that other shooter on the on the left who went after the Republicans at the softball game. These people are real and they should, they should remind us of something too. Not just other people. We don't have to just point fingers at other people uh, and pounce. Uh, you know, you can say, oh, well, now the Democrats are going to pounce on this. Well, let them pounce on it, but that's not the point. The point is, it should remind us when guys are like this, it should remind us that we're not enemies, but friends. Remember Abraham Lincoln said that? That this is politics. I hate the left's ideas. I think the left's ideas are destructive. But I've talked about this before, that evil people, good people can have bad ideas and bad ideas can result in evil. But that doesn't mean the people uh, are, are evil and need to be shot at like this. This is politics. This is politics. We're fighting for the country. It's true. We're doing something important. It's true. But if we don't do it in the right way, you ruin all the good stuff that you're doing. If you cannot remember that we are not enemies, we are all Americans, we're all going to be in this together through, through it all, you know. In a perfect world, liberals and conservatives have something to say to each other because conservatives are are trying to conserve the good things. Liberals are trying to change things that they think are not right. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be a dialogue that pushes us forward, but in a way that is true to our traditions. The problem now is that we're arguing over those traditions themselves. But I'm going to just finish by reminding you of what Lincoln said. Remember, Lincoln, in his first inaugural, stood up and he knew the war was coming. And at the end, it's a heartbreaking speech because he says, I am loof to close. I can't. I don't want to close because he knows once he's done talking, the the shooting's going to start. And he says, we are not enemies, but friends, we must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic mystic chords of memory stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land will yet swell the chorus of the union when again touched as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature. If you can't agree with Lincoln, stop paying attention to politics. If you can't agree with Lincoln that even our worst opponents are still friends in this country, if you can't agree with him, stop. start reading about gardening. Start reading about macrame. Start reading about something else. Stop reading about politics because it's not good for you. We are not enemies, but friends. Hey, we have an interview with Spencer Brown coming up. I've talked to him before. Really a uh, uh, good guy from Young America's. Foundation. uh, And we're going to stay on and talk to you. But let me remind you that the Clavenless Weekend is coming up. So you want to go on to dailywire.com and subscribe so you can go back and watch shows and read my articles. And also you want to go on to anotherkingdombook.com and pre-order the book for lots of awesome free stuff. Spencer Brown is the Young America's Foundation spokesman. He routinely travels to colleges and universities to manage some contentious situations that arise out of YAF's campus lecture program, like our guy's going to speak, and helps out the YAF students around the country. He's also an opinion contributor for The Hills. Good to see you again, Spencer. How are you doing?
5: Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks
0: for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. You know, I've been talking today about the images of the world that people have in their imaginations. And a lot of those images for people are formed in colleges where you guys do a lot of work sending people like Ben and me and Knowles uh, to speak and sort of to counteract the left. But you have done a study that it may be one of the funniest studies I've ever seen. (laughs) It's funny in a tragic way. Of some of the classes that they are teaching people in colleges. Could you give me some of these, I mean, run down some of the colleges that are coming out, some of these courses that are being taught in college.
5: Yeah. So you mentioned it's funny, but also not funny at the same time. So the name of this report is actually comedy and tragedy because while a lot of these course titles are pretty laughable, it's actually very tragic that this is what's considered an education today at these supposedly elite universities and colleges. And so we went through uh, basically the top schools in the country, everything from the Ivy Leagues to the top 10 liberal arts school, the SEC, the big 10, and looked at what is in these course catalogs. Because a lot of times people don't scratch under the surface to see what the actual course content is and so what we found uh yet again in this year's report is just leftist ideas leftist talking points uh the idea of intersectionality continues to be used throughout so it's basically just victim olympics on a college campus and how are your innate characteristics somehow make you more of a victim and therefore your opinion more important and as we see in a lot of these courses you've got uh classes about unsettling whiteness that talk about you know we should be wary of whiteness as a cultural institution or a social construct. Um, and it's just, you know, if you're a white male, the odds are really against you on these college campuses because they're teaching the next generation that your ideas shouldn't matter, you shouldn't be listened to, and you should get out of the way and let those who are less privileged have their day on campus. It's,
0: it's quite amazing. I mean, I, I have a hard time imagining what it is like going into a, a class on whiteness. Uh, something, something which in in a a large in a big way doesn't actually exist whiteness you know i mean everybody we're, we're all such a mutts in this country that the whole uh, idea is ridiculous and it is it's basically projecting the racism of white racists onto black people That's making black people racist some of these uh, classes though i mean eco queer feminist art practices what the hell is that <laughs> That's
5: an excellent question, and that's where we get the comedy part of this, is what does that even mean? You're talking about, apparently you're taking the environmental side of it, but mixing it in with queer ideology, but also feminist ideology, and then applying that all to art. Um, And again, it looks like if you read through, there's more than 250 courses in here. But if you read through them, they took basically what would have been a normal course, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and just added some crazy leftist word before it. So whether it be religion courses that are about queering God now or economics courses that are about Marx being relevant in the 21st century and saying that we should try that in America. You know, we see the result of that. There's a lot of uh, sort of new pressure towards trying out socialism in the United States, so much though that the president has had to clarify, we will never be a socialist country. And so I think you're seeing now a lot of what's happened in the past, you know, five to 10 years on college campuses, where it's just this leftist indoctrination and not a real education. And as you mentioned, you know, we bring you guys in to speak on these college campuses, because without these YAF lectures, students would never know that there's another way to think or another opportunity for them to get ahead in the world. They're basically taught, you know, that they're victims. And that is not a very aspirational message. So when you guys come in and say, hey, you have personal responsibility, if you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and work hard and make, you know, smart choices, not stupid ones, you can actually have the life that you want, but they're never taught that.
0: On you know, campus. You know, one of the things that YAF understands that I think a lot of conservatives do not is that they the left is playing a long game. You know, we have these issues and we get all upset and they introduce the Green New Deal. And we say, oh, this is the stupidest thing ever, and everybody laughs at the Green New Deal and makes fun of the you know Ocasio Cortez's, you know, uh, question thing, and it goes away, and we think, ah, we've won, we've shown the the people what a stupid thing this is. But these guys are now teaching a new generation that the Green New Deal is what they need and that, that they need uh, eco queer feminist art, and, they, and it, it's long lasting. It's a longer uh, it's a longer view than we often have. Well,
5: part of it is kind of this vicious cycle where one of the courses in our sort of our list of the worst offenders we call it the dirty dozen. Uh, there's a course in there about Latinx sexual dissidents and guerrilla translation. Which again, <laughs> what on earth does that even mean? <laughs> what does uh, that but mean? if you're taking if you're taking courses like that, the only job you're going to be able to get is as a leftist professor teaching probably a similar class in the future. Um And so it's just this vicious cycle where liberal professors beget liberal students who then become the liberal professors and administrators that we then come up against. So it's definitely, as you mentioned, a long game because they're really never gonna run out of these people who are willing to continue teaching these flawed ideas even though they've been debunked a million times. Um, and I think it's interesting you raised uh, AOC because you know people, they're looking at the Green New Deal and everybody's kind of poking fun at it, saying it's kind of a rocky rollout. But I think what that actually shows is the damaging one of the damaging effects of this kind of leftist uh, one-sided education, and that is, AOC was not—it's not been that long since she was in school, and likely she learned all these same ideas, taking these courses about how capitalism has always and everywhere relied on racial, uh, you know, politics in order to keep people down, and that's the only reason capitalism survives, and all these other eco, queer, feminist, whatever. Um, and what you see is her rolling this out and making sort of a splash on the national stage has been rocky because i think she never had to defend these ideas on a college campus she was taught one side she only ever heard this side nobody ever asked her can you prove it can you justify this she was never faced with facts before she rolled it out on the national stage and now you see people you know on the left speaker pelosi leader schumer are scrambling to try to be like "Whoa, well, whoa, well, well, let's take a breath this is not what we actually mean and i think it's because she just never had that intellectual training have to defend and stand up for her own
0: ideas. Yeah, she's offended. I mean, when you when you challenge her, you can see she's offended by the idea. As she as she put it, why would you challenge me on my facts when the important thing is my my beautiful, pristine morality without understanding that you really can't have be moral if you're not being moral about the facts? I mean, that's what that's what makes morality is made out of. Um, so you've sent, you've sent poor Knolls off to Notre Dame where they're uh, threatening protests, right? I mean, because this is, this is the other part of it. It's not, just, it's not just shaping imaginations, it's preventing imaginations from being shaped in ways you don't want. So to have Knowles running around uh, Notre Dame is a, a dangerous prospect, I guess.
5: Well, I'm guessing that the ecoqueer feminist art practices <laughs> courses didn't deal with the Notre Dame murals at uh, the Columbus murals at Notre Dame, but who knows? Well,
0: would you remind uh, yeah, people so, you know, what this is, just just in case people don't know the, about the Columbus murals?
5: Yeah, so this happened. I guess probably it's been almost a month ago now, where the school announced that because of outcry from some vocal minority, uh, they were going to hide these more than 100 year old murals of Christopher Columbus on Notre Dame's campus that have been there, you know, basically since the beginning of the school. And the murals were actually put up in the first place to push back on the anti-Catholic sentiment that was very prevalent at the time that Notre Dame was founded and started operating. Uh, And now, of course, you've got the revisionist history. The left is dragging up anything that anybody ever said, whether they're currently alive or dead, uh, in order to point out how unwoke they were back, you know, 100 or so years ago. Columbus's case, you know, centuries ago. Um, and so the school chose, instead of removing the murals, which are so a part of this building, they're just going to cover them with curtains. Uh, so that way they can present pictures of them elsewhere on campus in the proper context and setting. Uh, because Lord. again, you know, you wouldn't want to offend someone with a picture of
0: uh, an explorer from the 1400s. Right, right. That's So So Knowles is going to eat. Knowles is a big Christopher Columbus fan. He was on the show talking about uh, how great he thought. So what, what are they planning to do to... Uh, are they gonna to torture him? I mean, I, I recommend that they torture him, but like, <laughs> what, are they, what are they actually planning? Well,
5: yeah, no, it's gonna be another great uh, campus lecture there uh, at Notre Dame where he's gonna go you know, directly into the center of this controversy and just bring the facts. Once again, the left doesn't care about the facts, about why these murals are historic, why they were created in the first place or anything like that. All they care about is the feelings uh, and they feel that it's a moral wrong or moral injustice to people on their campus to have these up. So he's obviously gonna come in and bring the facts Um, And I think, again, bring that other side because students on the campus, if you look at any of the history classes in this year's comedy and tragedy report, it's all anti-colonial, all anti-everything that basically got this country started uh, and then, you know, led to it growing and building and becoming the greatest country in the world. And so I think, you know, this is going to provide a really important forum for actual debate, actual exchange of ideas that otherwise you know, wouldn't happen on that campus. The the leaders at the school basically just said, we decided because a couple people complained that we're gonna shut this down. We, of course, right as a response to that, it issued our own petition and tripled the number of people who said they wanted to take them down with people saying, no, they should be left up. It's a part of our history. So the school yeah. is not even in touch with the majority of its students Uh, Feelings on this?
0: You know, it's I I feel like they're abusing the kids because they deprive them of the actual view of the world, which is complex. I mean, people like uh, Genghis Khan and Julius Caesar did terrible things, but they also spread culture, which we all benefit from. Uh, And you know, when you when you look step back far enough and look at them, you think, oh, well, actually, you know, that that turned out well, although it might not have turned out well in the moment uh, for the people who who were conquered or killed. You know, that's that's complexity. That's the gray world that we live in. But when you tell them that, oh, this is all evil, and especially if the color of his skin was white, you're really depriving them of, of the p- power of thought. You're depriving them of the power to reason.
5: Well, yeah, and I think that just the ability to think critically about a situation, yeah. you know, using the Socratic method at all has been basically abandoned because instead of teaching, you know, these I would be fine with these schools teaching courses on Marx or the history of Cuba if they actually taught the real, true, full picture and allowed students to make their own conclusions on the facts. Instead, they're only teaching them Marx yeah. had these uh, great ideas, it's what we need to do, we need equality, but they never say, okay, well, here's what happened under Marx and here's what Marxism leads to and what the end goal is of uh, that. Right. And instead with Cuba, you know, instead of teaching all the horrible things that human rights violations and everything else that happened under Castro, they just talk about how, oh, it's this nice little time capsule of the past, and it's all quaint and beautiful, and the Kardashians have been there. And it's like, no, that is not the facts. That is your version of the facts that you have cherry-picked in order to push this leftist ideology. Instead, tell the whole picture and let students, you know, use their brains that they're at college, hopefully, to grow.
0: Well, Spencer Brown from Young America's Foundation, you guys are doing a great job. You really are, and you're doing something very necessary. I hope I hope you make some headway. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. So uh, a final reflection. You know, we asked, uh, I don't know, about a week ago, uh, I had been having this conversation with some guys and we were all sort of saying just in bafflement, not trying to control anybody, but just in bafflement. We were saying that so many young women uh, seem to be committed to jobs and uh, and wasting the time that they could be creating a home, having children, taking care of those children instead, doing the the kind of drudgery of work that guys have had to do to support what we thought was the important work of making a home and uh, and having children. So I asked women, are we just are we just being guys who don't understand women to write in and we got a lot, a lot of letters. Uh, all of the ones we haven't been able to go through all of them, but all of the ones we saw, Agreed with me. Now, obviously, people who are listening to the show are probably more likely uh, to agree, but let me just read you a couple of things that people said, which I just thought were really interesting. This one is from uh, Hannah. Uh, She says, I think most women would like to have kids and focus on them on being able to do volunteer work or to chase passion projects as their lives uh, permit. After all, most of us choose career paths that allow us to do what we're passionate about as opposed to men who often set passion aside in order to make more money. Uh, Two things are getting in our way. Not just the shame that feminists suggest stay-at-home moms should feel for depending on another person for income, but the real which is crap, by the way, because it's the income is both of yours, because you're both involved in the project. But the real fear that a lot of, that was me interjecting, but the real fear that a lot of girls have from seeing their own families fall apart as kids, many feel that they need to keep at least one foot in the career pool just in case something doesn't work out in the relationships department. That's very smart. Uh, also, she says, all of our finances are a mess. The idea that every person has to go to college has negatively impacted myself and my girlfriends. College debt has so financially destabilized us as well as the men we're looking at marrying that staying at home just isn't an option. This one's from anonymous really got me. I'm 27 years old and as long as I can remember all I've ever wanted was to settle down and be a wife and mother. For the most part, I've kept this to myself. I've been embarrassed to admit such a lowly ambition out loud. You know, when you think about it, being a mom is a lowly ambition. Ask people what they think about their mother. Better yet, go up to someone who's bigger than you and insult his mother and find out how he feels about his mom. People your mom is basically the center of your universe because she's the person who shaped your life and I don't see how that, that is a lowly ambition at all. Um, She says, I've had little luck in the dating game. It's difficult to meet a man who wants to settle down when he can order a one-night stand as fast as he could a pizza. Women are so replaceable. For everyone that doesn't put out, there's 10 more ready to jump into bed. Thank you, sexual revolution. Uh, From Nicole, both from my own experience and from talking to my friends, I've gathered that most women know they're missing out on having a family in their 20s and 30s, but don't know what to do about it. My friends and I desire a husband and children, but the men we have dated and met over the past few years were so disappointing and unimpressive that we'd rather be single and childless while we search for someone else. To give you context, my friends and I are engineers and lawyers with advanced degrees in our late 20s. It could be because I hang around a conservative religious crowd, but it seems to me that this discussion is often around an observation of women pursuing careers and not having families, not that most women desire it, but they find it hard to achieve the families they want. Um, From Cheryl, I'm approaching 50, and after examining my own life, college educated, married, no children, I've reached this conclusion, Think twice before rejecting the enduring and self sacrificing purposes of your biology for the transitory and self satisfying purposes of your ideology. You know, this is, like I said, this is not scientific. People who listen to the show are probably more sympathetic uh, to the show and, you know, reflect some of my own uh, way of looking at the world. But it is true that when they examine what women want and they poll them, uh, first of all, a Uh, majority of moms want to be home with their kids, would prefer to be home with their kids. Less of women who aren't moms, but that just means that having children is more satisfying and fulfilling in fact uh, than it is in theory. When you imagine it, it may not be as fulfilling as it is when you have it. What they have found is there's this U-shaped curve uh, that poor poor women and rich women are the most likely to stay home with their kids. And there's an economic reason for that because... When, when you're poor, you, people tend to marry people in their own class and financial state. So poor people tend to marry, poor men tend to marry poorer women. And that means that to put the kid in daycare is probably going to be more expensive than the money that the mother would make going out to work. So it makes economic sense for her to stay home. At the Then once you get into the middle class, uh, middle class men marry middle class women, and the woman is probably college educated, probably making a lot of money. The money that she would lose by leaving the workforce is more than the money that they would have to spend on on daycare, so it makes more economic sense for them to have daycare. Once they get rich, however, once the man is rich, then the woman stays home because she can, because they can afford to lose that middle-class income. So that says to me that if everybody had what they wanted, that women would be staying home. And the thing about that is, that just means, and every study shows this. That just means the left is talking for people, but they're not talking about people. They're talking about what they think people should want. They're not talking about what people really should want. And the shame is, is that they infest your imagination. It goes back to this again. It goes back to their trying to shape the way you imagine the world so that you feel obligated to their concerns instead of to your concerns. They want you to feel, oh, it's a lowly position to be a wife and mother. Oh, you know, that's not enough. I want to work. Oh, you know, the marriage might fall apart. I mean job. Can fall apart too. You know the marriage might fall apart. All those things they want to shape your imagination that way, so your so the world then looks more like what they want it to look like, and that's going to ultimately because their their uh, philosophy makes people dependent. It's going to ultimately make you dependent on them, and then you can't change the world back to the way it ought to be, back to freedom, liberty. People making this this, this decisions out of their own hearts and their own imaginations, rather than the imagination of activists. That's it. The Clavenless Weekend is upon us. You poor. Bums. I'm so sorry. But I'll be back on Monday. Survivors can gather here. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show.
5: Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, Jussie Smollett is arrested. A Coast Guard lieutenant is arrested after pursuing a massive terror plot, and the world awaits the Mueller report. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show.